stop whatever you're doing and listen to Josh and Daniel, Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Aussie podcast. episode of diary of the madman the ultimate ozzy osbourne podcast where we geek out about all things ozzy and ozzy osbourne related i am josh crumb and with us as always is mr dan drago how's it going dan doing great happy new year to you and your family man happy new year to you also dude did you do anything special for the new year no we just had a really really small group of friends uh come over and we just rang in the new year together i kind of got a little shit-faced which was kind of fun but it was kind of quiet and just we played a lot of games we played some cards against humanity and just kind of i blasted music all night it was a real fun time well that sounds pretty good for didn't really do anything not very low-key compared to me and my wife sitting on the couch watching journey on uh, <laughs> dick Clark's rocking new year's eve i love journey and i like arnel panetta by the way you know screw off anybody that has anything to say about that guy because he's just doing his job and uh I'm not sure if you saw it, but the dudes over on CNN was giving them shit for having Journey on ABC. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, they called him Fake Journey. I saw fake that. Fake Journey. That's a pretty low-class way of going about it, I thought. Yeah, it's tough. I'm kind of on the fence. To me, what Journey does is a little bit different than what like Van Halen did or what Sabbath did, bringing in Dio and, and Sammy Hagar, respectively. To me, Arnell is a clone of Steve Perry. They are looking to replace Steve Perry with a fake Steve Perry. I kind of understand what they're trying to say. I mean, I would rather see Arnell have a little bit more character, record a little bit more new music. I hear rumors they are doing that, which is exciting. I think the guy is talented as all hell. Would I go see Journey with Arnell singing? Absolutely. I would still rather just see Steve Perry up there, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I mean, Steve Perry's given his blessing to Arnell, and I think they have become friendly and so on and so forth. Arnell's done two records with Journey. I think a lot of people do overlook that. Yeah, he, I he agree. Been a couple. I mean, and uh, and they recut all of the originals with him singing, which really was just more for a licensing situation. So in a way, that's three. We consider that greatest hits that he re-recorded yeah, the vocals on. You know, so uh, I like the guy. I've seen him with him live. Uh, I, I they came to my hometown. I was about tenth row center stage and and had a blast. You know, it's unfortunate when all the original members aren't there, but at the same time, you got to do what you have to do. And I don't think Steve Perry could really sing a journey set night in and night out at this point in his in his career and life. So, do you think people would rather still see them with Steve Perry, though? Oh, no question. Yeah, I mean, no question. There's no, there's no denying that. I mean, you know, but I also don't think people should get on national television and rip them either when they're New oh, Year's no, Eve and in Times Square right behind them performing on another channel. It's kind of unclassy in my opinion but you know yeah. what i kind of like unclassy sometimes so it doesn't matter it just right. depends when and where i guess but yeah i, I totally am not condoning what those guys did for sure i just personally i love journey i mean i think escape and frontiers are two of the greatest records definitely from the classic rock genre but i don't know i like arnell he's a great fit if you're not going to have steve Perry. Why not have Arnell? I mean, because he does a wonderful job, but I don't think it's the same. They are literally just trying to get Steve Perry, like a clone of Steve Perry. They're not trying to hide that fact either, you know? Yeah. I mean, I understand that point 
you know, to an extent also. But I guess they want the songs to sound as authentic as possible also when, when yeah. someone's coming to the show. And, and I can understand that. I mean, they're not pulling a kiss where they're like literally putting him and Steve Perry makeup or something. You know what I mean? Trying to yeah. physically fool people, you know. Similar with Kiss, you know, I've always been an advocate that I don't mind Tommy Thayer. Obviously, like anyone else, I would prefer Ace Frehley. But I think the difference with Kiss, this is a touchy subject with rock fans. In my opinion, I do think Kiss tries to fool the fan who doesn't know any better into believing that's the original guys because they're wearing their makeup, they're wearing their outfits, they walk around stage like them. And that I have less respect for, even though I still respect Tommy Thayer and I have went and seen them with him. I bought the albums. I, I like Tommy. It's nothing against him. I don't think Journey's necessarily trying to go that far, but you know, I do understand it. You know, when you've been in a band for a long time, it's just hard to keep everybody together and it's hard to keep things on the up and up. And sometimes tough decisions have to be made on who's in and who's out. I guess it works with Arnell. He's been in the band for like what now? 15 years, 14 years, something like that. It's been quite a, a long time. So clearly that's working out. This yeah. isn't a topic you and I plan on discussing today, but it's kind of turned into a good one. So yeah, we'll run with it. <laughs> hey, I will tell you though, you know, and I think about this a lot and you bring up a great point because I'm going to bring this up to Skid Row too, right? Everybody's always wanting Sebastian Bach back into the band. How much money I think those guys would make if that happened, right? I'm not saying they're going to be as big as Kiss and the Motley Crue reunions and all these, but Skid Row with Sebastian Bach would make these guys serious money, right? For would sure. Would you agree? For sure. How much of a dick does Sebastian Bach have to be? And I don't know Sebastian. He might be the coolest guy, so I shouldn't say dick, but how strained is that relationship that these guys won't even entertain that idea? They won't even entertain it. Like you said, you just stated that perfectly. They have no desire to discuss that. And yet, Bonk is on the other side just chirping for it all the time. Right. All the time. Yeah, that definitely must be an extremely strained relationship because they, like you said, they're leaving a lot of money on the table. And yeah, I have respect for that, for a band that's willing to leave money on the table because they're happy where they are. Journey seems happy with RNL. He seems happy with those guys. And, uh, you know, I'm a fan. I thought it was a good performance, by the way, also. It struck me at first. I was, my wife and I was watching it, and I was kind of tore up that Dean Castronovo wasn't there. Our former Aussie played yeah. on Osmosis guy. Dean Castronovo was the drummer for Journey, and he wasn't there. And I was kind of concerned. Then I started thinking, you know, New York is so stringent on their COVID policies right now. I thought maybe he's not vaccinated, you know, but then it ended up he was, uh, he has COVID. Yeah. So uh, he uh, had to had to bow out of it for that. But I, I'm, I'm assuming the guy that played was their drum tech. Probably he nailed it. It was hundred percent. It was it, their drum tech. It was a yeah, great he, performance. Actually. He smoked it. And I thought for him, I was watching the video. Actually, it's weird. I watched it live and then I watched it again today. It was on Facebook. It kind of came up on my feed and I watched it. And I thought, what a cool moment for that dude. You know, like you're a drum tech. You're never in the forefront. You're always the dude behind the scenes. And then all of a sudden you're playing on fucking New Year's Eve in Times Square on ABC. <laughs> you know, right. 10 minutes before midnight with fucking Journey, you're up there doing your thing. It's kind of cool for that dude, man. So I'm definitely happy for him, whoever he is, because that's a cool fucking moment. Yeah. You know, it's funny you brought this up because the other thing I thought when everybody was bitching about fake Journey is this. Why does the singer always dictate? that portion of the band and let me expand on this russ valerie is not playing bass on that stage steve smith is not playing drums i mean that's the classic journey lineup where's the outrage that the rhythm section isn't there but it's always steve perry steve perry steve perry but what the fuck russ valerie and steve smith are fucking ridiculous amazing players that were in journey a long time and nobody really gives a shit that they're not playing yeah it's funny how it works isn't it yeah but the singer, yeah. holy shit, the world is ending. It's not the original. Well, he's not even yeah. the original singer, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Even if Neil Sean wasn't there, that, that would work for him also, I think. They're the two, I think, with Journey that people would bitch about. 
Yeah, no question. Know, I mean, Jonathan Cain is a big part of Journey huge. as well, but but I think Journey is Neil Sean's band. It has been since day one when he left Santana. Yeah, that's it. It's Neil it, Sean's band. And as much as we all love Steve Perry, Neil's always been the face of Journey in a lot of ways. So, and he's the creative genius behind it. Him and Jonathan Cain, mm-hmm. quite honestly, I don't even know how much Steve Perry wrote. I'd like to investigate that a little bit. Yeah, that would be something fun to look up. But oddly, now Jonathan Cain. And Neil Sean, like they really have their fallout also publicly when they started having a, a Twitter beef a few years back. Do you remember right. that over religion yeah. and stuff? So it makes you wonder if they're if they're on a business relationship on the stage, or I have a feeling just, they are, or if it's yeah. a case of maybe they just you know had a moment. You know, I don't I don't know. They seem to have put it behind them. Can you, you imagine know, being a fucking rock star like Jonathan Cain and Neil Sean, guys who have played together for four decades? And they can't have a private conversation over a beef. They got to argue over fucking Twitter. To me, that's so weird. That is you know? weird. You would think at some point you would pick up the phone and just send a private text message, wouldn't you? Like, yeah. dude, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, give me a call, dude. What the fuck? That's, you know, I just don't understand it. I mean, I wouldn't even do it with the little ragtag band I'm in. It's like, if I would never argue with one of my guys in my bands right on Twitter. It'd be like, Right away, I'd pick up the phone or text them and be like, hey, we got to talk. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. And it makes you wonder sometimes if it isn't just marketing. I mean, the only bad press is no press, right? I mean, yeah. it, it did make the news. Maybe, I mean, who knows? Who knows, man? Because it, it's definitely something that even at our level, not that we're that damn low. I mean, no. to be fair, we're both, you know, done, <clears throat> done some shit in our day. Just we saying. have. But, uh, but no, I mean, I would never have a Twitter beef with a band member online. Even a former band member, I wouldn't do that. I'd pick up the phone and I'd call him. Like, like she said, dude, what the fuck? So. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about 2022. We got a lot of great rock records coming out this year. So we just kind of wanted to uh, let the listeners some uh, let the listeners know some that we're really excited about. Foremost, of course, is the new Ozzy Osbourne record, of course. So what are some of the other uh, releases you're really excited about this year, Josh? Aside from Ozzy, I'm... I think more than anything, I'm looking forward to the new Megadeth. I think that's been a long time coming. Dave's been through a lot the last few years also. And yeah. uh, you have the stuff with Dave Ellison that went down, and that was you know kind of ugly for a while. And they went back and recut the bass on it. So uh, I'm excited that he's using some older riffs he's had lying around for a while because, I mean, Dave is a wonderful riff writer. Uh, I'm super excited about that one too. And Kiko has really, really given life to that band. I love that guy. Definitely been looking forward to that one, man. It's just been a long time coming, and I think it's going to follow up Dystopia really well. Dystopia was slamming. Excellent. Absolutely love yeah. Dystopia. So definitely looking forward to that one more than anything. How about you? I'm really excited for the new Ghost. You know, they're one of the modern bands that I absolutely love. I know a lot of people like to rip on them, but I was a fan of them since their debut. I bought them off the cuff because I'd read they were kind of a Merciful Fate-style band. So I bought them way before they broke. I think they're getting better with every release. So I'm super, super excited for Ghost. I think the new Scorpions should be fun. There's a lot of rumors it's going to go back to the old style uh, blackout vein, which I love. The new Anthrax, we've been waiting patiently for that one. I mean, that one has been done and works for years. So that one should be coming pretty soon. And I'm really excited for Weezer. I know it's not hard rock and metal, but I'm a big fan of Weezer is I have a very diverse palette of music that I like. But listen to this shit. These guys are releasing four records this year. They're going to release one for every season, fall, spring, summer, and winter. And I think that's just such a cool concept. With this day and age where people are not making money off of records, I find it very refreshing and exciting and exhilarating that someone like Rivers Cuomo and Weezer 
are releasing four records in one year. Hats off. Your diverse palette uh, that you have. <laughs> Tell me your favorite Ricky Skaggs song. <laughs> Don't you uh, just because you're from Kentucky doesn't mean that's you go, what I thought. You, you could go country. Okay, that's you what I thought. Country. Okay. Name me your Whatever. favorite Weezer song. That first one they released, it was really good. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the fans are gonna know Weezer before Ricky fucking Buddy Skaggs. Holly. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Yeah, Every didn't they release Buddy Holly? Of course. Oh, the song. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the artist. I was like, yeah, no, the maybe, song, Buddy maybe Holly. baby. Yeah. Buddy Holly is the song. Yeah. That. I thought you were yeah. trying to quiz me on Buddy Holly songs. <laughs> I was like, uh, you're not going to win that one. Um, uh, but Alter Bridge is coming out with a new one too. Yeah. I love Miles Kennedy. He's so fucking good. Let me tell you what a nice guy that guy is. I'm not trying to be one of those name dropper dudes here today. Yeah. Yeah. I was, with, I was backstage with Miles Kennedy at a show one time. I informed him that he was my wife's favorite singer. You know, he fucking called her for me, man. That's so him. awesome. She didn't answer the phone. He left her voicemail. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, my God. But still, how fucking cool that he would, he did that, you know? I hope she kept the voicemail. That's so cool. I would guarantee you it's gone. I bet no. my ass I don't know. It may be there. I don't know. But I thought that was so cool. I mean, he's such a nice guy, man. He's such a good dude. Thought I'd throw that out there. Matter of fact, Mark Tremonti is very cool. Also, all those Alter Bridge dudes, man, are really yeah, nice guys. Great so. player. I'm one of the uh, put me in the big fan of Creed category. I know a lot of people like to shit on them, but uh, I fucking me love too. Them. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. I love them. I, I don't understand. That's the one thing about metal fans. We truly are cannibalistic. We eat our own. We love you until you're popular. Then once right. you fucking make it, dude, we're turning on you so fucking quick. I just hate that about hard rock fans. I mean, they're even that way with Metallica and Ozzy. Yeah, no one gets more shit than Metallica. And dude, who's fucking bigger? Ozzy's right there, man. Right there. Ozzy's right there for sure. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, those are the two. But like, why would any metal fan fucking hate on Metallica? You know what I'm saying? I mean, do I prefer Megadeth? I've said for decades that I prefer Megadeth. I but do I not love Metallica. I, I way prefer. I didn't know. I way prefer Metallica. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I just for me. I loved the 2000s when Megadeth was putting out record after record after record after record while Metallica was sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, but those records aren't and that good. Their they're last not, great they're, record. They're not that bad either. I like those records. Cryptic <laughs> Writings is very good, but once Risk came, their albums became spotty. I'm talking about after that. Like, yeah, yeah, fucking, but go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you're fine. I'm just saying, like, I'm a, I don't mean Risk. I mean, after that. Sure. But even but though with Motorcycle on it, it's not a great record. It's got a couple of songs on it. That's okay, but front to back, it's not lights out. I think the last record they did was fantastic. It was their best record in a long, long time. You know what they're not? They're not fucking Lulu either. That's not a Metallica record. <laughs> that's that, that's wind you up, man. <laughs> that's a Lou Reed record. Metallica didn't even write that record. I just wanted to wind you there up. There we go. Do you know I've never heard Lulu? <laughs> you know what? I haven't either. Yeah, fuck it. I I, no why, why waste desire. my time? Yeah, yeah, I had no desire to listen to that. And uh, but no, I'm being serious. They were always neck and neck for me. But when Megadeth kept putting, and I do like those albums, you know, and yeah, I don't dislike the Systems them, but Failed and all that stuff. I loved all those. So Systems it was Failed like, starts out with a bang. Black Metal yeah. Universe is amazing. Yeah. So I was just like, you know, they keep putting out fucking records, man. And Metallica's just sitting on sidelines, and that just always kind of bummed me. So I, I, at that point, I realized I think I prefer Megadeth. But They'll never reach the highs that for me that the first seven, eight Metallica records, you know, oh, and man. I'm including Load and Reload in that. I love those two records. I love those two also. Yeah. So in other news, yeah, I got Dan all wound up. He's going to be fucking fired up the rest of the show. So <laughs> I told you I needed, a, I needed that jolt. 
it appears that our guy Ozzy has entered the world of NFTs. Whatever that means. Enter me and Dan in the world of no fucks given. <laughs> NFGs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're in That's the world right. of NFGs. We don't give a fuck. Yeah, and if we're in the NFGs. You know, I don't think I'm going to buy one, and you're not going to find bigger Aussie fans than you and me, but I don't know, man. I, that whole thing, I just... And you could just tell. Ozzy doesn't even know what the fuck is going on. I just saw the commercial they did. NFT is. And like the weird thing about it is like it's so divisive. Like I I go on there and try to read the comments just to see what people have to say about it. And there's so many people so excited that Ozzy's entered the world of NFT. But for every one of those, you got somebody saying, I don't like him as much as I used to because of this. Well, that's (laughs) ridiculous. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck is this shit? So from what I understand, it's essentially there's 9,666 crypto bats, and they're all different. And you can purchase one. And once you have one, no one in the world has the exact one you have. And they're supposedly all designed by Ozzy. I love Ozzy. But man. My man ain't sitting down and designing out 9,666 of any fucking thing. Here's the funny thing. I guarantee you in one month's time, listeners, Josh and I are going to be like, well, we bought the Aussie NFT. Fucking goddamn it. Yeah. Because we're such assholes that we do everything that the guy puts out. But I'm not excited about it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we all know that Aussie could shit in a bag and I'd buy four fucking bags of it. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll make some excuse. Like, well, but that one was, you know, it's only $9. It was only $9 and it had that Diary of a Man Man vibe to it. I had to get it, man. Yeah. I saw one today that had the Randy Rose polka dot V on it and I thought, hmm, that's pretty Hmm. fucking cool. See, I guarantee (laughs) it. (laughs) It's already starting. That's NFTs. Awesome. Nah, we're we're team NFG, but yeah, I'm NFG. I'm sticking with that for me and you. So not much Aussie news this week. That was the only one. I will say though, I'm super excited about our topic today. Josh and I had a pre-meeting to determine what we were going to start the year off. And you know, this one's been one that we both have wanted to do for a while. So we're going to be discussing Aussie's guest appearances and collaborations with other artists. But we do have some stipulations here. So first and foremost, it cannot be on an Aussie solo record. And we're not doing any Black Sabbath here. So like Ordinary Man with Elton John is not on the list here because we all know that it's on the Ordinary Man album. What we're going to explore today, hopefully we're going to give you, I think there's 27 songs we've uncovered that Ozzy has done with other artists, not on an Ozzy Osbourne record. We want this to be this is their song, but Ozzy makes an appearance, not the other way around. So that's really the only stipulation with that we had that, and it couldn't be Black Sabbath era. Now, I'm excited for it also, man. Definitely looking forward to breaking down from 27 to 10. It's hard because, you know, we're Ozzy historians. We love all of 27 of them. But uh, Most I had a clear-cut 14. After that, it got really hard to cut it down to 10 for me. I had a clear-cut 8 or 9 that I knew, like, holy shit, these are definitely the songs. That last spot took a little bit of a while to figure out, but I'm just excited because I'm hoping these listeners discover a song or multitude of songs that they've never heard before. You know, I know we're all Aussie fans that are listening to this. I just hope they're like, holy shit, Buried Alive off a Rick Wakeman record? I've never heard that. So I'm just hoping that we open your mind today and give you 27 new songs that you maybe never heard by Aussie. That's exactly what I'm hoping for from this episode also for our listeners. And Buried Alive is probably the perfect example of a song that our listeners may not be familiar with, but that kicks all kinds of ass. It's amazing. Absolutely. And if you want to hear Ozzy sounding as good as he's ever sounded vocally, that one's definitely fucking up there. That was the perfect example that was in my mind also. I had the same goal for this episode also, just to educate people on some songs they may not be familiar with or 
to encourage them to listen closer to ones they haven't heard very often that maybe yeah. they should listen a little bit more closely. So because they're and, not on Aussie records, so you just don't see them around. They're not in your face all the time. They're kind of out of sight, out of mind sometimes. Yes. And something new I'm going to be doing this year is on Spotify. If we have a topic like this, we're going to put a playlist together of the songs we're talking about. So I've put a playlist together on Spotify called the Ultimate Aussie Playlist Guest Appearances. Try to find it. It's under my name, Dan Drago. And I've put 18 songs on here. They don't have all of them because there are some songs that are just, and we'll get into that, are just not available anymore. But everything that Spotify had, I went through it all. And these are the 18 that they have. Check it out. I put it all in one place for you guys to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, man, I appreciate you doing that. Unfortunately, I'm not a Spotify user, so I couldn't really help with that too much. I use Apple, but definitely appreciate you doing taking the time to do that. And that will help listeners. They can go click your playlist and go straight to those tracks that haven't necessarily searched them out. Because yeah. like we said, sometimes they're not listed under Ozzy's name, so it makes them kind of hard to find sometimes. So definitely looking forward to it, man. So, Let's get into it. Yeah, so we're going to go chronologically. We'll go year by year, and we'll talk about the songs. And uh, starting off is... Shake Your Head, Let's Go to Bed by Was Not Was. It was released in September of 1983 on an album called Born to Laugh at Tornadoes. Now, this one is a very controversial track. This one is also on his Prince of Darkness box set. I got this vinyl. I had read in a circus magazine that Ozzy was going to be guest appearing on this track. So I went out and bought the vinyl right away. So I still have my original copy. And such a unique performance by Ozzy. So unique, matter of fact, that in the verses... I didn't even realize that was Ozzy singing. I thought Ozzy just came in in the choruses with the shake your head, let's go to bed part, because that sounds like classic Ozzy, right? But it took years later, I was like listening to it and I went, holy shit, that is Ozzy singing the verses. Because again, it's such a unique delivery for him and I fucking love it. Yeah, unique is a excellent word for that song. I remember the first time I heard that, there was an old website, you Ozzy fans, this old school, like me and Dan may remember, ozzyhead.com. And you could go on there and you could order these rare tracks off of him. He'd send you like CDRs of them. And I would get these, this full, these rare tracks. And that was on there. And I remember thinking, wow, this (laughs) not what you would expect from Ozzy Osbourne at all. It's definitely different and unique, but, uh, I like to see people reach out and do things that are different. Ozzy shouldn't always necessarily have to collaborate with Lemmy. It's sometimes it's cool to see something different. So yeah, it's, uh, definitely a different tune. And, uh, I know you're big on that one actually. Yeah, I am. And here's some cool information on it, too. So originally, they wanted Madonna to sing it. And there is a version out there that they finally released with Madonna singing it. But they called Ozzy in at the last minute to re-sing the song because the guys from Was Not Was just felt like they can relate more with a male singer on that song for some reason. So Ozzy came in and re-sing it, re-sang it. And uh, the girls that are on the track with him are Kathy Cousins and Carol Hall. It's not Kim Basinger and it's not Madonna. Now, there are three versions of this track. The original Ozzy on Born to Laugh at Tornadoes with Kathy Cousins and Carol Hall. Then they did release the Madonna version many, many years later. And then they did release an Ozzy re-recorded another version in 1992 with Kim Basinger. And I absolutely hate this version. I like the original version. Uh, the song is has a much different vibe in the 92 remix. But here's something really unique. Do you realize that version charted at number four on the British charts? Are you shitting me right now? No. The wow. version with Kim Basinger charted in 1992 to number four on the British pop charts. Dude, I had no idea of that. I'm not British, but you're not either. But I had no idea. <laughs> I don't like that version at all. Let me be clear. The version we're talking about is the original one on Born to Laugh at Tornadoes. But the remix was done on a record called Hello Dad, I'm in Jail in 1992, which is the more popular version. But 
to me, I like the Ozzy version, which is where Ozzy sings the majority of the song. Yeah. Up next, that brings us to Lita Ford and Ozzy Osbourne with Close My Eyes Forever from the album Lita, released February the 2nd, 1988. Obviously, I'm going to speak for Dan said we're both huge on this song. This is an Ozzy staple in the world of fandom in the 80s. I mean, so many people love the song. The video was a staple on MTV. Creepy video that was even on Beavis and Butthead that time. It's so funny because Beavis and Butthead is like... <laughs> That face was scary 30 years ago, and I look back, and that was the early friggin' 90s or something. Then. So it's like, here we sit in 2022 waiting for a new Ozzy album. Anyway, uh, Close My Eyes Forever, man, epic track. Ozzy and Lita wrote this song together. I remember hearing the story recently that Sharon just kind of left them alone to, yep. to write it, and that they played some pool together, wrote the song. Smoked a lot of pot. Smoked a lot of pot. Yeah. And uh, Ozzy thought that was it. They wrote it over, over the night. And uh, then Lita calls him back in to come and sing it with her. I think initially he wasn't even going to sing on it. And uh, he comes back, sings on it with her, and then he thinks that's it. And then she calls him back again to do the music video. And he's kind of like, oh, like, when's it going to end? You know, so, but it's it's a great fucking track, man. And I think anyone that loves Ozzy loves Close My Eyes Forever. It's uh, just a haunting, gorgeous, beautiful track in a world that at the time ballads were so poppy and so commercial. You know, and close my eyes forever. So dark and haunting. I think that's what made it stand out. It's just an excellent song. Amazing. And it was Ozzy's main idea. He had the melody for a couple of years and was afraid to put it on an Ozzy record. So he was singing it and Lita Ford was like, well, let's work that up together. And, you know, they wrote the lyrics together again. This is a little bit of a dig to the people that don't think Ozzy writes anything, but Ozzy was the main contributor of this track. It is a wonderful track. I think their voices sound great together. What if I to see them sing together at least once or twice during the song. I always thought that was a little strange. They never harmonize or nothing, but I think the melody is amazing. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I think this is one of Ozzy's best vocal performances. I love his voice in the song. He is killing it. And Lita even makes comment. They sang the song face to face and she was just blown away how great Ozzy was in the studio. Yeah. That's actually about what I was getting ready to say. She made a comment recently in the interview that I saw, but she said Ozzy doesn't get – she goes, he's he's known as a personality so much that people forget what a great vocalist he is. And she mentioned that very story that they sang that song face-to-face, and yeah. he essentially nailed it like in one take or so. It was just ripped his head off. He was just amazing. So it's always fun to hear people say that, contrary to popular belief, to hear these other stories of songwriting and vocally singing and, and doing it with ease, you know, making it look like it was easy because it's uh, definitely not easy. So that charted – to number eight on the U.S. Billboard on the single charts, Ozzy's biggest uh, single of his career still is to this day. It's pretty amazing. But uh, I'll tell you a quick story about this. I did not hear about this song coming out. So where I live, KUPD was the big rock channel here back in the day. And every Friday night, they would play like a full album like that came out that week because release dates were on Tuesday back in the day. And I came home late. I was probably out with some friends and stuff. And I just remember laying on the bed and they were playing the new Lita Ford album. And I, it was the song before it had just ended. And then all of a sudden I hear the beginning of close my eyes forever. And I lay down in bed with the headphones on. And then when Ozzy came in with like heaven, you know, that such distinct line, I just remember sitting up in bed going, what the fuck? Uh, what, what the fuck is this? And I waited for the end of the song and they said, Oh, the new Lita Ford album. And of course the next day bought the vinyl ran right to the store, but I had no idea that was coming out. Tell us the truth, Dan. We know that later that day you were really going, kiss me once. <laughs> I do kiss love that song. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you, you forgot all about Close My Eyes Forever once you heard Kiss Me Deadly, man. Tell the truth. We know. I'm gonna not going to lie. I watched that video a lot as a kid. <laughs> we all watched that video a lot. Yeah. No question about it. 
All right, so up next is Gary Moore with Lead Clones. This came out January 25th of 1989. It is on his record After the War. And this is, you know, definitely a rip on bands like Kingdom Come and Whitesnake. Unfortunately, I don't know why he's dragging Whitesnake into it because they're amazing, but definitely ripping on bands that are trying too hard to sound like Led Zeppelin. The music of the song is very much in the vein of Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. It's got a cool melody by Ozzy. I really dig this track. Again, another one that I was kind of anticipating and excited about. Really, really cool song. Bob Daisley and Cozy Powell are the rhythm section on this track, and I think that's kind of cool. Another Bob Daisley connection, and Ozzy playing with the future drummer of Black Sabbath. Well, and let's just be honest. It kind of hit me as you were discussing this. That's a band that Ozzy had threatened could be the new Ozzy Osbourne band for years when Randy Rhodes was still in the group. He... You know, it's well known. He had mentioned, if you don't want to record Speak of the Devil, I can get Gary Moore to do it. Right. And then obviously we know Bob Daisley's always been around Ozzy and Cozy Powell's a drummer who Ozzy has mentioned before bringing in if he needed to. So it's funny how they all run in tight circles. There was that European circle of people there in the late 70s, early 80s that all kind of ran together. But uh, man, what a group that would have been, though, I will say. Uh, amazing musicians. Gary Moore for me, man, what a guitar player. Oh, my goodness. I will admit I'm late to the party on Gary Moore. I knew who he was. I knew him more through his slight connection with Thin Lizzy than anything when I was younger. Before he passed, but not long before he passed, I started really listening to his stuff. And, man, I love what a guitar player. Just what a, I call it a guitar player's guitar player. Right. He's just so good, man. He may not do things that catch the general person's eye the way, you know, someone like, Ingve Momstein would, but Gary Moore is such a player's player. He's just so tasty in his style of playing. He's so good. He can play any kind of style of music there is, too. He's just so good. Yeah, but yeah man, a, a cool track for sure. A great melody. Like you said, leg clones, you know, discussing everyone trying to sound like Led Zeppelin while singing a song that sounds like Led Zeppelin. It's kind of ironic, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. I'd prefer one called Sabbath clones and they, they tried to do a Sabbath style song, but that's just me personally. Right. I do want to make sure the listeners know this one, Gary Moore and Ozzy both split vocals on this one. So Ozzy sings a lot, but Gary Moore also uh, sings co-lead vocals on it. And there's a song called speak for yourself also on after the war where Ozzy sings the background vocals. It's a killer song, but we're not going to count it on the list here because Ozzy's contribution is very minimal. To be honest, I even have a hard time hearing him. Yeah, I didn't even realize he was on that one until you mentioned it to me uh, a little while back. So yeah, it's kind of hard. But that's a great damn song, though, man. It's ripping. It, it really yeah. is. The next one is from 1990. It's very different. It's called The War Song of the Erpneys. It's from a cartoon called The Dreamstone in England. It was written by a gentleman by the name of Mike Bat. <laughs> that's kind of funny. And uh, it is a version with Billy Connolly and Frank Bruno that is not on the soundtrack. It is only in the cartoon. And it's a very different song. It's another one. I mean, I can tell when Ozzy's singing, but it's a cartoon song and it sounds like a cartoon song. You know, I, I've never really even paid attention to the song very much. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to say about it. It's always fun when Ozzy does things like this and makes little appearances on cartoons or on, on movies, you know, and has a vocal appearance here or there. But yeah, there's not a whole lot to say. He is on the song quite a bit. But obviously not his melodies, not his song, and uh, and it's, it's very it's unique. A, it's very unique, and it's it's just a hokey song for a for a children's movie, you know. So it is it is what it is, and for what it is, it's actually really good for that kind of movie. But uh, it's nothing we would go around jamming in our cars, at least not. Definitely we don't want people not. to know we do. <laughs> <laughs> it's one we would turn down at the red light anyway. Put it that way, <laughs> or put headphones in. 
Okay, so up next, that brings us to the Bill Ward solo album, Ward One Along the Way, released January the 10th, 1990. Ozzy actually had two appearances on that album. One was Bombers Can Open Bombay's and Jack's Land. Both extremely good songs. For one, I know Dan's going to agree with me on this, but what a great fucking record, Dan. What do you think, man? Ward One Along the Way is a solid, solid album. What do you think? Yeah, I can state this, no question, my favorite released by somebody from Black Sabbath that is not named Ozzy Osbourne. It is a brilliant record from front to back. I listen to it today. Matter of fact, I listen to it all the time. It desperately needs a remaster. It's such a low record, but brilliant all the way back. A lot of Pink Floyd vibe, some Sabbath vibe. I love Bill's voice. This is his pinnacle of his career. He has released a lot since then and nothing even comes close to it for me. Along the way is absolutely brilliant. And the two tracks that Ozzy sings are two of the better tracks on the record. And it kind of disappoints me that Ozzy has not given his blessing to re-release these. So they're not on Spotify. You know, they're not on a remail. Matter of fact, Bill Ward did Bombers Can Open Bombay's himself just to get the song back out there. But it doesn't have the same impact that the Ozzy version does. Such a great fucking album, man. And I, I like what you said about the Pink Floyd vibes. It totally has that. That was my first impression also. I remember hearing this album for the first time and just thinking it wasn't exactly what I was expecting. But that didn't mean it was bad. It was such a good record. Zach Wilde makes appearances on the record also. Yeah. But yeah, Bombers Can Open Bombay's is a exceptional song, in my opinion. Really like that one. Love the melody. It had a cool little music video that had Ozzy and Bill. They were never together in the video, but it would just have shots of them singing and performing. And Bill playing. The, I remember the, he had like the single bass drum, yeah. like one snare, and he would I play that. It. It. It's, it's always so interesting just to watch him play that in that video. I don't know why. It just always captured my attention so well back to this day, actually. Jack's Land, another great song, kind of has a mystical kind of dark vibe to it. But uh, yeah, two definitely great songs on a great album. I'm like you, this album deserves a remaster and a, and a re-release proper because it's fans are definitely missing out if they don't get to enjoy this one the way it should be because it's a really good record that I know Bill Ward's bound to be proud of because like you said, it is his pinnacle. There's no question about it. Yep, and the last thing I'll say about this one is in Jack's Land in particular, that part where Ozzy sings along along the way, I stand beside myself. It gives me chills. It's And the second time they do it, his voice is kind of bouncing off of each other. And he's like, the last line is kind of repeating over it. It's killer. I, it, it is a brilliant, brilliant song. If you guys have not heard Bombers and Jack's Land, do whatever you can to hear these two songs. They're great. And really a good production. I mean, like you said earlier, you know, when you start comparing music to Pink Floyd, that means the production level is pretty high, right? I mean, you got to really put time and effort into making these albums and songs the way they are. It's not a, a meat and potatoes, straightforward kind of album. It has a lot going on, man. A lot of different tones, a lot of different sounds, a lot of different angles. And I love that about it. It's just such a good record. Very proud of Bill on this one. All right, up next is Hey Stupid by Alice Cooper. Came out July 2nd in 1991. Ozzy's got a very, very small part on it. He sings the I Know You Know on the bridge. He's somewhere in the choruses, very minimal. I think it's kind of cool that Ozzy and Alice Cooper work together here on this one. Um, and of course, Slash and Joe Satriani make guest appearances. I'm a big Alice Cooper fan. I love the song Hey Stupid. It's cool hearing Ozzy's tone on you know the, the choruses and stuff. Hey, 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 hey. He's just got such a distinct sound. It's cool hearing Ozzy in there. He fits it like a glove. Uh, that said, I I wish Ozzy was in there a little bit more. I'd like to hear him sing on the verses with Alice or something. That would have been cool to really have him bouncing off each other a little bit. But still, it's an appearance, and uh, but definitely a great song. But I will say for me, the lack of Ozzy, his presence on the song, 
definitely knocks it lower down on my list, even though it's a song that I truly, really do love a lot. Yeah, I have a couple of those on our list. One might yeah, surprise you. Yeah. Yeah, well, one of mine might surprise you also. It's probably the same one. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Okay, up next brings us to Therapy by Infectious Grooves, which came out October the 9th, 1991. Not really a song I ever had a whole lot for. I feel like, Dan, that you like this one a little bit more than I do. Uh, yeah. The, the coolest thing for me is that Robert Trujillo's on it, and also that was kind of neat how when things play out like that later in life that you know he ends up joining Ozzy's band and then goes on to Metallica and whatever all. But not one of my favorite songs personally, but um, it's something that, you know, it's Ozzy, so of course I listen to it a little bit here and there and, and enjoy it when I can. But for the most part, I, it's typically a skip for me. I love the song, to be honest, because I'm a big Suicidal Tendency fan, and I think Mike Muir is a genius. I think from How Will I Laugh Tomorrow through their self-titled Suicidal Tendencies, the last one with Robert Trujillo, is one of the greatest thrash metal runs ever by anybody. So I thought it was really cool that Ozzy did this track. And even though Ozzy doesn't sing a lot, his part is much more definable. It's much more iconic. That therapy that Ozzy sings is just so perfect. And I just love the fact that Mike Muir really wanted Ozzy to do it, didn't know him. And Ozzy happened to be in the same studio and out of luck. And the producer asked Ozzy, Mike Muir didn't even know. He left to go to lunch, came back, and Ozzy was in the studio going like, hey, I hear you want me to sing on your record. And Ozzy did it. Matter of fact, Ozzy liked him so much that he took them on tour for the Theater of Madness tour. So I saw them open for Ozzy back in, fuck, what is that, 91, 92? So that was really, really cool. So Ozzy must have always had a soft spot in his heart for Robert Trujillo, who is also a co-writer on the song. Yeah, I got a good friend of mine who's a loyal listener to the show, Mr. JB. Thanks for listening, JB, who will totally give me shit for dissing this song a little bit earlier. <laughs> I already know that text message is coming, JB. I know, man. I know. And he has but every it, right to. It just never clicked with me on this one. And he's a big fan of Suicidal Tendencies also and, and Mike Mirror and all that. So I, I get it. But for me, this one just never did do a whole lot for me. But I will say, like you said a second ago, the classic Aussie's tone on the therapy section there. That's that's the classic Aussie that even our grandmothers recognize. That's right. And Aussie's in the video. Another one, which that's I thought was kind of cool. cool. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. They made, they made time to do the video for sure. Up next is Motorhead. I Ain't No Nice Guy from March or Die, released on August 14th, 1992. Obviously, this is another song that he did with Lemmy. This is a great song, also on the Prince of Darkness box set, as was Infectious Groove Therapy. This is also has Slash on the track. Very strong track, ballady, which I always... Sometimes Lemmy does ballads that are great, sometimes not so great, but uh, this one is fantastic. Ozzy loved it so much, he had begged Lemmy to give him the song for one of his solo releases so Ozzy could sing it, but Lemmy said no. <laughs> he was going to keep it. So it's cool that they did that. One thing I will tell you about this that is kind of cool is Phil Taylor plays the drums on this track. It's one of the last songs he did with Motorhead. And Tommy Aldridge plays a lot on March or Die, which is kind of pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah, I like this song. I remember the first time I heard it, though, kind of being confused. I just suspected an up-tempo rocker, as I would imagine everyone did in 1992 before it came out, probably. And then when it kicks off with that acoustic guitar, I was kind of like, whoa, what is this? This isn't what I was expecting to hear, you know. But, dude, it's so fun to hear those two guys going back and forth. I mean, you got the two most iconic voices in rock and roll history, in my opinion. And to hear them bouncing off each other is just, I just, I love it, man. I love, I love to hear those two sing together. And I can see where Ozzy would want this for one of his. It kind of suits an Ozzy record a little more than it does a Motorhead record Agreed. in tone. So I can see where Ozzy would want this one. But at the same time, you know, hey, man, I mean, Lemmy wanted to do something a little different also on his record. So I, I can understand that also. But, yeah, it's a fun song. 
up next, that brings us to the craziest collaboration in Ozzy's career when he collaborated with Miss Piggy on Born to be Wild. This came out September the 27th, 1994 on the Muppets Kermit Unpigged album, which had all kinds of different celebrity guest appearances on it. And uh, Ozzy with Miss Piggy doing Born to be Wild. I've always thought how cool it would be if I could take Miss Piggy off that fucking track. Because <laughs> I actually really like Ozzy's performance on Born to be Wild. I think he does an excellent job. The Miss Piggy part, you're kind of like, oh, that's another thing if you're at the red light and the car pulls up beside her, you have to turn it down because Miss Piggy's screaming, oh, Ozzy, yes, yes, Ozzy, yes. Yeah. And it's like, oh, gosh. Crank this one down. But Ozzy sounds so good on Born to be Wild, man. He does yeah. a great job on it. And uh, I would love to be able to take her off that track somehow. But otherwise, it was fun. I remember reading years back in like Metal Age that he uh, said his kids watched The Muppets. So when he was approached about doing a song for The Muppets album, he kind of jumped on it just because he knew his kids would enjoy that. And that, that's cool, man. As a parent, you totally understand that. Yeah, I love this track. It suits Ozzy's voice perfectly. I think the song jams. I don't know who plays on it. I really looked. And it doesn't really break down per song. There's like tons of musicians that are listed on the CD that I have. Because yes, I own the Kermit Unpigged CD. But so uh, <laughs> it is a fun track. I think I always called it the Oz and Ozzy connection because Frank Oz does Mrs. Piggy's voice. I always thought that was kind of funny. But I think this song rocks. And if Mrs. Piggy wasn't on it, this would be one of my favorite Ozzy covers. But Miss Piggy doesn't ruin the song for me. I still, I do still jam it a lot. Cause I love Ozzy's performance and I love the tongue in cheek stuff with the, give me a kiss at the end and Ozzy going crazy at the end. That doesn't bother me as much. So I, I think it's very enjoyable. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I, I still let myself enjoy it also. It'd just be nice if we could take her off of it, but she's on there and it's okay. I still, I still enjoy it. He, like I said, it is a great performance from Ozzy and really I'm like you, I've tried to research who plays on that with him and you just can't find anything on that record on who played what it's just really hard to decipher, but it, it's, it's fun. It's very straightforward musically, but like you said, Ozzy's performance is, is, is really good on it. So I enjoy that one. All right. Up next is pictures of matchstick men with typo negative. They recorded that together for the Howard Stern private part soundtrack. This was released on February 25th, 1997. So we're already now getting through the 90s. And, and I'll have to say, looking at my list, Ozzy does a lot in the 2000s here. So I think this is a good track. I'll be honest, this was produced by Rick Rubin. I'm a big typo negative fan. So to me, this was a match made in heaven. But overall, this one lacks for me a little bit. And I'll tell you why. I don't like the way Ozzy is captured. He's very whiny in the song. He just doesn't sound as confident singing it. When I found out Rick Rubin was doing 13, my first thought was, fuck, if he captures Ozzy like he did on Pictures of Matchstick Men, this is going to be awful. Thank God he didn't. And Ozzy sounds completely amazing on 13. But for me, this is not one of my favorites. I listen to it. I like the heaviness of Pictures of Matchstick Men that, that the music is a typo negative brings to the table. Peter Steele is not singing at all. He's only playing bass on it. So this is Ozzy Foley. This one just doesn't hit a home run for me. Kind of like you said, I'm a big typo negative fan also. And it was when this kind of came out, the Aussie and typo negative together, it was like, oh man, this is going to be so fucking cool. And I do think I enjoy this song maybe a little more than you do. Uh, I do understand what you're saying about Aussie's vocals. It's so low, so low. When I look, it's almost like he's trying to do a Peter Stewart impression almost. It's uh, a little awkward. It's not as classic Aussie sound. But it is a fun song. I would love to know that this at the end of it. Is that just is that just like vocal lines going backwards or what? Yes, at the end that's of exactly it? what they're doing. I, that's one of my favorite parts of the song, to be honest. Yeah, that's probably my favorite part of the song. I always assume that's what it was, but I just never knew for sure. 
But yeah, I like this one. I'm kind of like you, maybe not quite as high on it as I should have been, but it's a fun song. And I'm sure that most of our listeners will probably appreciate this one. And real quick, Ozzy does make an appearance in the Howard Stern Private Parts movie also. he uh, Howard Stern's backstage at the NTV Movie Awards, and he runs into Ozzy. If I, if I remember correctly, I've not seen it in like 20 years, but I think Ozzy just looks at him and says, what a fucking asshole. Yeah, I love that. Off. Something to that effect. Yeah, it was totally cool seeing Ozzy in the movie too. So fun time for Ozzy to be on the soundtrack and on the movie. So Yeah, agreed. So up next, Ozzy with The Crystal Method, DMX, Old Dirty Bastard, with the track Nowhere to Run from the South Park album Chef Aid. This one definitely is a step outside the box for Ozzy. He's obviously with rappers who at the time were extremely popular. I mean, Crystal Method, DMX. I shouldn't have said at the time. They're just popular. Uh, so definitely with some well-known names here. This track isn't necessarily my style of what I want from Ozzy when he makes a collaboration. But at the same time, like I said earlier, it's always great to hear his voice. But I do remember buying this album also when it came out just for this one track. And, uh, you know, I enjoy it for what it is. What do you think? I actually really dig this one. So there's four rap songs on this list that we're going to get to, and this is my favorite by far. Ozzy has a pretty big part in this one as well, which I think I enjoy. I love the chorus. I love his verse. You know, he's kind of rapping a little bit, and he does a really good job, but it's distinctively double-tracked, and Ozzy sounds great. A couple things on this one just that I found pretty cool and interesting. Jack Blades is a co-writer on it, another Ozzy-Jack Blades connection. And Rick Rubin is a co-writer and co-producer on this track. So another Rick Rubin production. Yeah, I definitely do appreciate that Ozzy is on it quite a bit. It's not like he comes in for, you know, one line over and over or anything. He has a really melodic vocal line in that song, actually. So it's uh, it does feature him a little more than you would think with so many people on it. So I do appreciate that about it. Just not something that I would go around typically jamming all the time. But that's like an old fucking fart, like an old shitty fart who don't want to hear rap music. We are. <laughs> all right we are <laughs> but, uh, we are so yeah so for me this one was nothing that i was overly excited about but at the same time it's always fun to have something new and uh you know i did enjoy it for what it was all right up next is ringo star vertical man released june 16th 1998 in the u.s august 3rd 1998 in the uk this one's really cool produced by mark hudson as we know ozzy's got a very very Big background and history with Mark Hudson. There's a lot of unreleased material that Ozzy has with Mark Hudson, but Mark Hudson has been big co-writer for Ringo Starr for quite a while now. He helped him with his live shows. So this was really exciting to me. My two favorite bands getting together. You know, I love the Beatles. Uh, great song. It's got, I think it's really, really written well. Ozzy talked about writing it, but he does not have a writing credit. So I kind of find that a little bit ironic. Uh, Sarah Hudson's on it as well. Mark Hudson's daughter. Totally got a Beatles vibe. I think Ozzy sounds phenomenal. I wish he would have had a little bit of a bigger part, but really, really fun, cool song. I bet Ozzy was in the room and pitching ideas as Mark Hudson was writing parts for this song or something to that effect. And that's probably where the, that comes from, you know, stories of writing it, but he doesn't necessarily get credit. They probably made a decision that he didn't have enough ideas for it. So whatever, you know, if a drummer can get credit, then Ozzy should get credit. But anyway, um, I really like this song, man. I think I like this track more than most fans probably would realize. It's always, from day one, being a song that did click with me and did stand out. And I go back to it very frequently. Yeah, me Mark too. Hudson, yeah, Mark Hudson and Ozzy obviously have a connection, and that connection is the Beatles. Mark loves them. He's a Beatles freak. He wants to yeah. be a Beatles so bad. 
and Ozzy loves the Beatles. And that's obviously been their connection all these years, going back to the Ozzyland demos, which Ozzy has always said, this Beatles sounding album that I've been working on, you know, right. And Mark Hudson is at the center of that. And I thought it was so cool. And, you know, as being such an Ozzy fan, and I'm sure the fans listening can appreciate and agree with this. You're happy for Ozzy. You're like, how fucking cool is that for him that he's on a record with Ringo Starr, you know, like he's on his album. He had to be so out of this world excited. You Great know point. it, man. Yeah. You know it. And he sounds fucking stellar on it. I love he his does. voice in this song. I'm just really big on this one. And I couldn't be happier for him to get to cut it. And I couldn't be happier for myself because I really enjoy this. And and, and while there are songs that didn't make my top 10 because Ozzy isn't as prominent as he could have been, I won't spoil my top 10, but I'll say this may not be one of them. Ooh, look at you. How fucked up is this going to be that you're going to get the Beatles track in your top 10 and I'm not? Interesting. Mm. All right. So we also have from December 15th, 1998 on an album called ELE Extinction Level Event. The Final World Front is This Means War by Busta Rhymes. And this is basically just Iron Man with Ozzy singing different lyrics over Iron Man. It's one I don't visit very much. I really don't have much to say about it. If I didn't buy the CD, I wouldn't be that bummed about it. It's definitely not one I come back to very much. Take a look inside. Yeah. You can. I actually like this one. Sorry. Fuck, fuck off. I like How it. the fuck do you eh, like this one? Eh, I don't know. I just do. It's, and it's for one, Buster Rhymes is a, is a badass. So well, Buster Rhymes is great, but <laughs> I, I don't like that Ozzy's just doing a Black Sabbath line. It would definitely be more fun if it was not set to Iron Man, to yeah. a really up tempo version of Iron Man, by the way. I would rather um, just throw this into fucking Iron Man. That's why I, I don't like it. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I get your point. But I do oddly enjoy this one a little bit. It's nothing that I go to all the time. There are songs on this list that I like way less. I will say that. I don't take the song very seriously. It's just kind of a goofy hearing Buster rap over Iron Man and, and Ozzy just chiming in every so often with his lines and stuff. It's, you know, it's, it is what it is. Ozzy's melody is the same as it is on Iron Man, but with different yeah. lyrics. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of fun. I kind of enjoy this one. Up next, we have. Rick Wakeman with Buried Alive off of the Return to the Center of the Earth album. This was released March 15th, 1999. This track is stellar. I absolutely love this song. Hold on. Are you fucking on Twitter right now? (laughs) 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 No, I'm not on Twitter, fuck. God damn you. I just got a diary of a madman notification. You like one of our posts. <laughs> no. Oh. All right. Um, so, yeah, Buried Alive is an awesome track. It's written by Rick Wakeman. You know, Rick Wakeman and Ozzy have a long history together with Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. And of course, Rick Wakeman's on Osmosis. Adam Wakeman, who we've had on the show, brilliant, brilliant musician, plays with Ozzy now for the last 20 years. This is one of the most underrated songs, I think, on this list. Ozzy sings the whole song with a choir. It's got a lot of progressive changes, some odd time signatures. You know, it's Rick Wakeman, man. This is like a classical piece of music. And Ozzy sounds stellar. If you don't know this song, check it out. It is on the Spotify list. This song is everything Dan just said it was. I don't know what else to say about it. It's fucking great. It's a great song. High energy. Ozzy sounds great. Like you said, Rick Wakeman is classical sounding. It's just, it's so fucking good, man. Ozzy's vocal is so high on this song. And uh, it's just a great song. Listeners, if you haven't heard this one, you're going to love it. I promise you. It may take a listener, so, but you will love the song. It's great. 
And Ozzy has so many different melodies going on in this song, which is why I really like it. There's a lot of parts, like an old Black Sabbath song. You know, there's just so many cool different parts that he falls into. I love it. Yeah, and the backup vocals by the choir. This is kind of echoing what Ozzy's singing sometimes, and you got the choir echoing him. It's so fucking cool, man. It's, it's a great song. Absolutely. That brings us to Ozzy's collaboration with Cole Chambers' Shock the Monkey, which came out September 7th, 1999, on an album called Chamber Music. I really like this one. It's kind of like the therapy discussion we had earlier with the Infectious Grooves therapy song, where Ozzy just kind of has his moment, but he's very Ozzy in that moment, but only I like this song a lot better. I love the production of the music. It sounds really good. I just really enjoy this one. You know, Sharon was managing Cold Chamber at this time, and I'm sure that's how they managed to get Ozzy on yeah, the track. Definitely. The same with Lita Ford, actually, earlier. We didn't mention that, but Sharon was managing Lita Ford when Ozzy did that song also. But yeah, I, I really enjoy this one, man. This, this is a song I listen to frequently. It stands up, and he sounds excellent. So I love this track as well. I'm not a big Cold Chamber fan. I'll just throw it out there. But I do think they have a really cool, unique version of the song. You know, I love the fact that Dez thought that Ozzy would be perfect because he's got a similar voice to Peter Gabriel, which I think is, you know, a great compliment to Ozzy, to be honest. I don't know. There's something about Ozzy's performance on this that I'm not crazy about. I have a hard time understanding what he says a lot. He's not – typically, that's not very Ozzy. Ozzy – for somebody you can't understand when he speaks, when he sings, typically for me, he's very easy to understand. But for some Agreed. reason on this song, a lot of it, I'm just, I'm like, what the fuck is he saying? It's just not very clear. I don't think he was captured as great as he could have been by the production and the producer. It's great. I like it a lot. But again, I, I hear a couple of flaws on this one. Yeah. I don't know if I totally agree with you on that. I mean, I can understand what you're saying, but I think we definitely are switching roles on this one. And Infectious Grooves, for sure. I think I'm taking your role on Infectious Grooves on this one, and you're taking mine on that one. So, yeah, I, yeah, do like I get it. it. I do like it, and I listen to it a lot. But the reason why it might not make my list is because I think Ozzy could have performed better. So just a shout-out to our man, Ryan Beavers. He loves this song. So I just got to give him a shout-out on that one that, hey, when I listen to Shock the Monkey by Ozzy and Cole Chamber, I'm always thinking, fuck, Ryan loves this song. Yeah, for sure. A matter of fact, when we discussed, Ryan asked us what the topic was going to be this week. And when we told him, I believe he told us that Shock the Monkey would be his number one. Off the cuff. He did Off come the cuff. up another one. Yeah. And he said, Mike Crackett. But yes, I said, what the fuck? <laughs> Danny replies, <laughs> what the fuck? And I'm like, dude, get off his back. Fuck him, man. It's his decision. I said but it no, nicely. <laughs> I said it as a buddy. Like, like, do you need some help? You know, that, that's why I said it. Cause you, you need therapy. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Up next is the Wu-Tang Clan collaboration with Tony Iommi called For Heaven's Sake 2000. This was originally released in 1997, a song called For Heaven's Sake off of Wu-Tang Forever. I'm not familiar with it at all. This is a version that was released on a compilation called Loud Rocks. I am not a fan of this song, shockingly, with Tony and Ozzy on it. I find it very boring and just... Unlike Nowhere to Run, where it's fun, exciting, Ozzy sounds cool, this one I don't even think is even close to Nowhere to Run. It's just kind of boring to me. Yeah, Nowhere to Run blows this one out, man. And I said earlier, I wasn't so big on Nowhere to Run, so you can understand. Yeah, this one just doesn't do anything for me either. Like you said, Tony, I'm just cool to see him on there, but I almost don't even know where Tony fits in. It just doesn't It just doesn't work for me either. There's not a whole lot to say about this one. It's not something that I frequent very often. I do have all this stuff on my playlist. I actually, I'm the weirdo that actually uploads CDs. Like if something isn't streaming, I'll upload the CD to my phone so that I can listen to it. But uh, it's not one that I frequent very often at all. It's just, it doesn't do much for me either. 
And it's also on the Prince of Darkness box set as well. So the disc three on the Prince of Darkness box set has got a lot of these songs. We should mention that. Matter of fact, it has 13 songs on it. We did not do the two songs they did with Therapy and uh, the other one with Primus, the two Black Sabbath covers. We just don't feel like that fits the mold of what we're talking about here. We at least want to throw those out when people say, you forgot NIB with Primus. No, we didn't. That just doesn't fit the criteria here. But a lot of these songs are on the Prince of Darkness Volume 3, Disc 3, and uh, this one is on it. It came out in the year 2000 on that Loud Rocks compilation, but very, very towards the bottom of my list. Yeah, good point to bring that up. This three of the Prince of Darkness box set. A lot of these can be found on there, and that's definitely something the listeners may need to know. But yeah, it just doesn't do much for me either. So that said, we'll move on. Up next is a collaboration we all can agree with, which is Ozzy with Tony Iommi and Bill Ward. We'll throw that in there. Yes. For Who's Fooling Who on the Iommi record, which came out October 17th, 2000. Dan, this song is obviously, it's Ozzy and Tony Iommi and Bill. Of course, we're going to love it. It always had a like a Black Sabbath vibe, the song Black Sabbath. They were trying to rekindle a Black Sabbath vibe on this one, I feel like. And I enjoy it. It's a little bit slow. I love the midsection when it really picks up. Ozzy sounds good. I, I like this one. I, I, I have a feeling that No Escape From Now, the new song we're going to be getting from Ozzy and Tony Omi next year, or actually this year now, is probably going to be a lot better than this one. But uh, at least I hope so. But I do enjoy this one. As always, I got to throw in the funeral bells and shit like that at the end of it. But yeah, I, I enjoy this song. I'm so glad you said that. I have been listening to these 27 songs incessantly, and there's two things I never need to hear on an Ozzy Osbourne track ever again. One is fucking bells. Enough with the bells. We understand Black Sabbath started with bells. Enough with the bells. I don't need to hear them anymore. Number two, Ozzy laughing. I fucking am done with it. All right, we laugh, Ozzy. Got it. It's been done. You don't need to laugh anymore on tracks. It is so fucking cheesy. I'm so done with both of those things. How many tracks does... We could do a podcast, our 10 top songs with bells on them. It's out of control. Tell us how you really feel, Dan. Hey, I had to get some. You told me I was going to get fired up this episode. <laughs> Damn, I, I didn't, once. Didn't, hey. didn't mean to fire that up. Sorry, man. I apologize. I love this song. Great song. Yeah. Ozzy sounds great. So at the time this was released, it was on Ozzy and Sharon's record label, Divine Records. So another connection with Sharon and Ozzy and Tony kind of working together there. This song's got a lot of cool things about it. I love Bill Ward's playing. He just has such a unique style. I love that he is on the track because as we know, outside of this and Psycho Man, every time he's been asked to do a song, it just hasn't worked out. And I cherish the song for Bill being on it. I do wish Ozzy sang over the up-tempo part a little bit. I'm glad it comes back in with, with the chorus again and Ozzy sounds really cool on it. And just as a side note, bass is played by Lawrence Cottle, who was the bass player on Headless Cross. Very, very talented session musician that's been around for years. So you can almost make a claim that this is a Black Sabbath song because you got Ozzy, Bill, Tony, and Lawrence Cottle, who was a member of Black Sabbath. Yeah, I've always viewed it that way. I, I really have. When 13 came out and you have three-fourths of the original members of Black Sabbath, I've always made the argument from that point that, well, who's fooling who is three-fourths of Black Sabbath also? I mean, Bill Ward counts as much as anybody. And 
like you said, his playing is so tasteful. No one sounds quite like Bill Ward. He just has something. His he has a tone on his drums that's just so hard for anyone else to replicate. He's just he's Bill Ward. And there's certain players like that. Alex Van Halen is one. I love Alex Van Halen's sound. He just has a different sound to me than anyone else. Bill has that also. I love hearing. I'm like you. I love hearing Bill Ward on this song, and it really takes this song to a whole new level of appreciation because you were hearing Ozzy, Bill, and Tony together, man. And you do miss Geezer. You wish Geezer was there. Of course. The missing member of the family, but I would definitely rather Bill be on this recording than anyone else because it definitely brings it more home and makes it more fun to listen to, just knowing it's Bill on that recording. So another thing about the IOMI record, I kind of want to throw at you real quick while we're discussing it. You know, that was so interesting to have different singers on all those songs. Was there any particular that stood out to you, Dan, that you were kind of surprised to see on that record that you wish would have been on that record? I know for me, I always liked the Billy Idol track a whole lot. Tony Iommi and Billy Idol isn't something that I ever knew I needed in my life, but that's a really fun song. I love that one. I love the Peter Steele song as well. I like the Billy Corgan song, which was actually originally a Glenn Hughes song, which I do have the original version with obviously different lyrics and different melodies, but this exact same music. I don't like the Philip Ensemble song very well, so that was kind of a disappointment, but I think the Ozzy song and the Billy Idol song and definitely the track with Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl, yeah. Yeah, that... That track is lightning good, man. It's awesome. Those were the three. Yeah, I agree with you totally. Those are the three. And I just I just always like that record. I'd almost like to see Tony. He talks all the time about having all these songs and stuff written and riffs. I almost wish he would do another album in that style again just to get some of that stuff out there. He, he By the way, he did mention this week doing more instrumental stuff, which I'm yeah. cool with. That last song, Sin of Dark, is excellent. So. Excellent. And also very hard to find this record. Again, I don't know if it's because it was on Divine Records. You can't stream it. So if you don't have the original CD, you're shit out of luck. That's disappointing because it is a great album. I think most Tony Iommi fans would love this album. So Agreed. Okay, up next is Ironhead with Rob Zombie from the Sinister Urge album released November 13th, 2001. This came out right when Ozzy and Rob had been touring together a lot for the Night of Merry Mayhem tour and all that stuff. Unfortunately, this one always fell flat for me. I just never really cared for the song. I don't know. I remember reading one time that Rob said the song wasn't as good as the rest of the songs in the session. He just felt like it needed something. So he brought Ozzy in to sing on it to get, to give it that last boost that it needed. And I'm like, yeah, how about you put Ozzy on a fucking good one? I don't know. This song just never did much for me. I was a little bit disappointed because at that time, Rob Zombie was so shit hot. So shit hot. And I thought, man, Ozzy and Rob Zombie together, this is going to be spectacular. And it just fell flat for me. I don't hate it, but it's just not near as good as it could have been. And I really would prefer those two had done a different song together if they were going to do it. Yeah, I, I don't dislike it. I, I almost feel like they're not mixed properly. Like, you, I don't know if their voices blend very well together. Rob Zombie comes in with that, you know, which just sounds really cool. And then Ozzy's voice is so clean in that song. And kind of whiny a little bit. It just doesn't mesh well together for me. I do think it's a solid song. I love the record. I think Sinister Urge is Rob Zombie's last great record. So overall, I would agree. I think it's one of the weaker tracks on the record. Really, I would say it's also got Blasco on it, who is our man and future Aussie bass player. I don't dislike it by any stretch of the imagination. It's just not towards the top for me. Yeah, for sure. The Sinister Urge is probably my favorite Rob Zombie record, actually. I it's, really like that one. I do too, but it's it's tough to top his debut. The debut was great. 
the sinister urge always had the orchestration behind it that I thought suited Rob really well. I loved that sound of that record. And he never really did that again after that. But I do love that record also. But yeah, Iron Head just was never one of my favorites on the album. But like you mentioned earlier, Rob has that gruff kind of voice. And maybe him and Ozzy just don't mesh well together vocally. That could be the case. It could be what it comes down to. I don't know. Yeah. So up next is The Blessed Hell Ride by Black Label Society. And the song is Stillborn with his man, Zach Wilde. Now this song is the shit. I love the song. Stillborn is one of my favorite Black Label Society songs. But... Ozzy adds nothing to the song. So as much as I love this song, I'm not quite sure why Ozzy's even on it. Zach is doing his classic Ozzy impersonation and does a wonderful job on it. And really, you don't hear Ozzy on this track until Zach cuts out and Ozzy holds the note a little longer because Ozzy attacks the melody a little bit differently, which I love the way he does it. As much as I love this song, Ozzy does not add anything to it. And I'm a little disappointed that Ozzy didn't have a bigger part. I wish I could do one of those nailed it gifs right now. <laughs> nailed it. You nailed it. It's a, I mean, who don't love fucking Stillborn? It's yeah. excellent. Such a good song. But like you said, Ozzy just didn't add anything. Zach sounds so good. So I can understand why they didn't want to cut his vocal. But at the same time, it's like, it's fucking Ozzy. Like, let's just take Zach off or put him really far in the back and have Ozzy do really far out front where you can hear him really clearly singing that chorus. It's disappointing from that respect. That said, it's such a great song. Stillborn is such a great song. I'm glad he had Ozzy on it, but at the same time, I'm like you. I just I want a little more Ozzy on that one. I think he could have added more to it than what it, he did. They're just, they're just, like you said, you don't really hear him. It's a little bit disappointing in that, in that respect. All right, up next is Tears in Heaven. That was released in 2005. It was an all-star cast to celebrate the hit song Tears in Heaven to raise money for the earth-shattering earthquake and tsunami that took place in Southeast Asia. This song was actually orchestrated by Ozzy and Sharon, which a lot of people don't realize, and they're the ones that put it together. It has an all-star cast, including Gwen Stefani, Mary J. Blige, Pink, Slash, Duff McKagan, Steven Tyler, Elton John. So the first time Ozzy and Elton John collaborated together, you know, Josh Groban, Scott Weiland, Rod Stewart, Kelly is on it. I do love Ozzy's performance on this song. I'm not going to lie. I think this song really suits his voice well. I think Ozzy would have nailed it if he would have done it by himself. The video is kind of cool. I don't listen to it very often, but I will have to say when Ozzy does his part, I probably rewind it 20 times and just listen to Ozzy's part. Yeah, Ozzy's part is so fucking good on that. I love the very end of it when they're kind of doing the refrain. Heaven, heaven. And Ozzy's like, no more tears. I love that part. That's <laughs> right? the fucking, I got two bumps. That's the part of the song, man. I love when he does that. Love that part. I'm like you. It's it's a, it's a good track. I and mean, the whole track is really good. Mary J. Blige, honestly, as for some reason for me, she always said at her part. I like her voice on that. I don't yeah. know why. She just sounds really good. Ozzy sounds great on it. Like you said, it has Kaylee on there also. Definitely for a, a great worthwhile cause and it was cool to know that Ozzy and Sharon put that together for that and uh, like you said I think he sounds really good on it I almost wonder if he did the entire track itself what it would sound like because he does sound good on that song and I'm like you I enjoy this one also so up next is the 2005 release of Staying Alive by Dweezil Zappa we are including this because this was originally recorded in 1990 and was intended to be released on Dweezil Zappa's Confessions of a Deprived Youth record back in 1991 but was stopped by record companies just like the x-ray project that ozzy did with steve Vai and bob daisley i am counting this one because it was originally intended for Dweezil zappa's record confessions of a deprived youth it did get released the music version with guitar solos and everything but he had somebody else re-record the ozzy vocals and cut ozzy out so ozzy did eventually release his on the 2005 prince of darkness box set but we are going to keep this in because of 
the intention, which was this was going to be on Dweezil Zappa's Confessions of a Deprived Youth. I think Ozzy sounds really cool. I'm a New Yorker, so I fucking love this song. I think Ozzy does it really cool. The guitar solos are amazing. I just want to give you a real quick rundown. It's Dweezil Zappa, Zach Wilde, Steve Lukather, Warren D. Martini, Nuno Betancourt, and Tim Pierce. And there is shredding going on like you wouldn't believe. Excellent song. I love it. You know, Disco Man always makes me laugh. I think this is a fun one. I do like how at the very beginning, they kind of blend Sweet Leaf with the Over the Mountain drum part. I think it's really, really cool and inventive. Yeah, what a list of guitar players, man. I mean, fuck. Who else do you want to throw on there? You know, like it's, it's a list of players. To give Zach Wilde some credit, he stands out remarkably well when you hear this recording. As soon as he comes in, you know Instantly, it's Zach Wild, and you know you can bitch about the pinch harmonics or bitch about whatever with Zach all you want to, but he definitely has a distinct style and he has a sound. And even amongst players like that, it's crystal clear which one's Zach Wild, and that's something to be respected. But I always like this song. I'm still confused about the whole "I'll be back at the end." Maybe they added that later. I don't know because I always assumed it was before Osmosis, but it, it was recorded in 1990, so it was before No More Tears, actually. Yeah. So that's kind of odd, but they might have added that later for something. Who knows? But I think Ozzy sounds really cool on this song. I'm like, it's really high, high register. It would be really hard to sing it, and definitely not something you would picture him singing. So it's it's always fun to hear something different, something outside the box. I've always thought it's fun for what it was, and like you said, it's some smoking guitar playing. It's out of the swirl guitars. I think it's a fun track. They're just clearly goofing around, having fun with it. Yeah. They also don't take it too seriously when you have the "I am Disco Man" at the end, you know, and all <laughs> that it. shit. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, they clearly are just having fun with it, and there's nothing wrong with that, man. I, I think it's a cool track, and it's just so undeniably Aussie. When people tell me why do you love Aussie so much, it's just a you know perfect example. Aussie's you know he's very diverse of a singer. We're going to get into an episode about that, but Aussie just. Sounds like Ozzy and nobody sounds like Ozzy. I mean, even covering the Bee Gees, Ozzy makes it an Ozzy song, which is all you can ask for. That's what he does. No question about it. If, the minute his voice hits the recording, it's an Ozzy song. He sounds like Ozzy. So up next, that brings us to Masters of War. Ozzy recorded this song with Mountain, Leslie Weston Mountain, and the album is called Masters of War also. I really enjoy this song. You know, Ozzy's part on it. He sings the majority of the song with Leslie West. They both kind of go back and forth. But he's on the entire track. It's nothing over the top great. It's n it's not like a, oh man, you know, this new Ozzy track, good. But at the same time, he is prevalent enough on the recording that I do enjoy it. You know, this is a cover of an older track, and I, I think they do it solid justice. And it's cool to hear Ozzy. And Leslie West is another guitar player's guitar player. I mean, he's so beloved by the community of guitar players. And I know that Ozzy's a big fan of his, as was Randy Rhodes. So I think it was cool to see Ozzy record this song with Leslie as Leslie recorded Mississippi Queen with Ozzy when they did the undercover record. I find the song okay. It is a Bob Dylan cover. Matter of fact, the whole album is covers of Bob Dylan songs. So Mountain did a record where they did nothing but Bob Dylan songs. And this is a Bob Dylan cover. I will tell you this. What is very distinct to me, I hear a lot of Zach Wilde in Leslie West's voice. I am shocked that how much Zach Wilde is influenced by Leslie West as a singer, but it's all over that song where sometimes I'm like, fuck, is that, is that Zach? You know, it sounds just like him sometimes, but overall I find the song to be okay. It's nothing that I would write home about. I think it's fine to be honest. It's, it's fine cover. Well, it's interesting that you say that about Zach Wilde's voice though, because Zach is going to be on a Leslie West tribute album that's coming out soon Yeah, called Legacy. It's just a tribute to Leslie West. And the lead single was actually Zach Wilde doing Blood of the Sun. 
we haven't really mentioned that on the show, but that's a great song. I think it fell into an unfortunate release date because even though the Zach song is the lead single, it came out like literally two weeks before the new Black Label Society album or something like that, two or three weeks. So I think it didn't really get the push that Zach could have given it had it not been a new Black Label album coming out at the same time. You know what I mean? So that's kind of unfortunate. There's a definite gruffness that Zach has and Leslie West has that is definitely very similar. I can hear that 100%. And Zach's been on Leslie's albums before a few times also. He was on the uh, Unusual Suspects album. So he's, he definitely has uh, some history with Leslie. There's no question about it. I, I do believe he's a big influence on him. All right. Up next is Along Came a Spider is the album by Alice Cooper. And the track is called Wake the Dead. This was released July 29th, 2008. So a couple of interesting things on this one. Ozzy Guest appears playing harmonica. He does not sing on this track. He just plays harmonica. But the song was originally written with Ozzy and Danny Saber. So Ozzy wrote the vocal melodies for the song. And you can clearly tell when Alice is singing that the verse is such an Ozzy melody. It's not even funny. It's an okay song. It doesn't move me like a lot of this other songs that, that does on this list. Matter of fact, it bums me out that Ozzy doesn't sing with him. Again, we have two songs now with Alice and Ozzy singing together. The two most iconic solo guys in hard rock, heavy metal history. And I feel like they've just blown a chance of not doing more singing together. But overall, cool. I think it's cool that Ozzy started writing the song with Danny Saber. Yeah, 100%. Man, that was always my disappointment also. I don't know why Ozzy isn't singing on it. When this came out and it said featuring Ozzy Osbourne, you you know, we're so excited as Ozzy fans. And then you don't hear him. Then it's like, oh, he's playing the harmonica, which that's awesome also. And, and a co-writer. But I'm like, you, why not take the opportunity if Ozzy's on the record anyway? So clearly it's not a contractual situation because he's on the album playing the harmonica and stuff, right? Yeah. So why not just go ahead and throw him on a verse or something? I, I feel like it's totally a missed opportunity also. Just, I just understand that. And at this point in Alice's career, I don't want to say I'm, like I'm bagging on Alice Cooper, man. Me and my family love Alice Cooper. My kids adore him. We went and watched him in concert just a few weeks back. Why not? If you have Ozzy Osbourne there already helping write this song and playing harmonica, why wouldn't you put him on the, on the song vocally? I just don't understand. It's such a strange decision. But I'm like you. This one doesn't really strike me a whole lot. It's never really stood out as something very catchy or memorable. I don't quite enjoy this in the way I could either. But like that said, if Ozzy was a little more prevalent, we probably would both have it a little higher on our list. Agreed. So next, that brings us to Crucify the Dead, recorded with Slash from the Slash album, simply titled Slash. It was released March 31st, 2010. And I remember distinctly absolutely loving this song from the start. Always loved this track. It was initially going to be, if memory serves, and my memory sucks, but it does serve in this case. It was originally going to be the, the lead single for the album. Due to contractual situations, they couldn't release it as the first single because Ozzy had Scream coming out in a similar time frame. And they didn't want confusion on the new Ozzy track. So uh, Slash had to switch over to a different track for the lead single. Definitely love this song. The lyrics are very catchy and the melody's catchy. The lyrics are clearly about a certain band member that Slash used to share the stage with him, Axl Rose. I have seen interviews with Slash where they asked him about those lyrics, and he said you would have to ask Ozzy and Kevin Churko that he didn't have anything to do with the lyrics of that song. But when you listen to it, it's clearly about Axl, and it's clearly about their relationship with each other, which at the time was very fragile, to say the least. You know, they've since reconciled, obviously, and Guns N' Roses has been on tour for the past, like, five years now. So, obviously, it's, it's behind them at this point, which is very cool. It should be behind them. Life's too short for that. But, yeah, the lyrics always, you know, spoke to me because I can clearly hear the message coming out in it, what the song's about. You know, a loaded gun jammed by a rose. I mean, it can, it can only be about Axel. But it's always been a fun song, and Ozzy's voice sounds so damn good. I know Dan's going to touch on it also. His voice sounds so clean. That's what we want Ozzy to sound like on record all the time 
so often they try to overproduce him and try too hard to make him sound a certain way when really this quicker clean tone he probably spent literally one day in the studio recording this track and you can tell it sounds excellent i love this song i love everything about it co-written with ozzy and kevin Cherko. you kind of hit on something that that has always bugged me which is i think ozzy sounds amazing on this track matter of fact i think he sounds better on crucify the dead than he does on black rain and scream and what fucking drives me crazy josh is kevin Cherko produced all of this including this song he, he only produces this song on ozzy's vocals right he's not the producer on the record but ozzy sang in his home studio with kevin Cherko to do the vocals absolutely and i don't understand why kevin Cherko got ozzy sounding so good on this record but on something like scream and especially Black Rain a little more. You know, I think they did a little bit of a better job on screen with his voice, but overproduced big time. Way too many effects. I'm not a big fan of a lot of effects on Ozzy's voice. And sometimes it gets a little bit out of control. But here, melodies are top notch. Great chorus. I love everything about this song. So much so, I sometimes wonder if they missed the opportunity for Slash to be Ozzy's guitar player because I think they would have written great songs because this is what I want my Ozzy Osbourne to sound like. If you guys have not heard Crucify the Dead, check it out. It's a great rock song. It's got a great tempo, good riffs. I don't know why people don't write like this more for Ozzy because this is where he's most comfortable. It's a phenomenal song and I think they might have missed the boat. I know he brought Miles Kennedy in, but how fucking cool would that have been if Slash being Ozzy's new guitar player? Oh, man. I mean, that would have been cool as shit. One person, I think, who did get the boat on that was probably Andrew Watt. You know, Andrew was quick to call in Slash to help out with Ordinary Man with certain guitar solos. And certain songs had a feel that he wanted to sound a certain way. And he knew that Slash was the guy to give it that that sound that you're talking about, that Crucify the Dead sound that worked so well for Ozzy and for his voice and for his melodies. I'm with you, man. An Aussie and Slash collaboration is something I'm always down for. And, you know, they have crossed paths a million times. No question about it. You know, Slash is obviously on Ordinary Man on a couple tracks. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I could always handle more Aussie and Slash in my life. No question. Okay, so up next, that brings us to the track titled Gods, which Aussie recorded on the Billy Morrison album titled God-Shaped Hole, which the title of the album comes from a line in the song Gods. And it was released October the 23rd, 2015, this is a song that you had to actually buy the entire, because we're in the streaming phase of life at this point, right? And you actually had to buy the entire album to get that one song. You couldn't just buy that one track, which I totally get it, man. Billy knew that this was going to be a well-sought-after song on his record, and let's, let's do what we can to make sure people hear the rest of the record. And by the way, it is a good record. I do enjoy the whole thing. But, man, Gods with Billy Morrison is one of my absolute favorite Aussie songs. He sounds so fucking good, man. For those of you who don't know, Billy Morrison is the guitar player for Billy Idol, one of the guitar players for Billy Idol, and he's Aussie's sober coach. Yep. And he's since become Ozzy's best friend. They've been best friends for about 20 years now, and they are inseparable. I was backstage for Black Sabbath in 2013, and Billy Morrison's literally just sitting there on a, on a box. I mean, he's just everywhere. He's always around Ozzy. He keeps him in line. And like I said, he's become his best friend. They did the show Ozzy Speaks Together on uh, Sirius XM, and that's the same Billy Morrison. So, yeah, but this track, man, it's just so good. I love the vocal melody. Ozzy said that it had been a few weeks he hadn't heard from Billy Morrison. And like I said, they're always in contact together. And Ozzy reached out to him and said, I haven't seen you. Where have you been? And Billy told him he was cutting a new album. And Ozzy was kind of like, what the fuck? You know, you didn't tell me that. I want to be on it. Right. And just bam, that is when you're that tight with Ozzy that just because you're cutting a new album, he wants to be on your album. That's pretty fucking close. So kudos to Billy Morrison on that, man. I think Ozzy definitely loves the guy. Just like that, Ozzy says, do you have a ballad? And Billy said, I told him, said, yeah, of course I have a ballad. And I was like, I want to sing on the ballad. 
So Billy literally whipped up a ballad in like that one day for Ozzy to sing on when he got down to the studio because uh, he actually did not have a ballad for the record. But man, it's such a great song, and Ozzy's melodies are through the fucking roof. His voice sounds like it did very similar to what it did on Crucify the Dead. I love the sound of his voice on this record. It's just so fucking good, man. Dan, I know you love this one also. Yeah, what can I say? This song is one of my favorites on this list. I will tell you, I love the fact that Ozzy came in, wrote the track, and recorded the track that day. And Billy Morrison said he did it all like in one take and was just blown away again by how great Ozzy sounded in the studio. This song is a classic Ozzy Osbourne ballad. If you guys have not heard Gods, I know it drives me crazy because it's not on Spotify or Apple or none of our streaming sites that we are on. Please do yourself a favor and, and buy the single, buy the album on iTunes, support Billy, get this track because you would not be disappointed. Steve Stevens plays lead guitar on it and does a smoking job. And I will tell you this, you've said a lot about it. I know Morrison and Steve Stevens have collaborated on a few other tracks with Ozzy that are unreleased. And every time I listen to Gods, I just always think, fuck, we got to get those songs released. Because if they're is half as good as Gods is, we are in for a treat. Stellar, stellar song. I would love to see Ozzy do a whole record like this because it's got a very Beatle-ish piano vibe to it as well. Absolutely nailed it, man. You absolutely nailed it. Yeah, I, thank you for mentioning Steve Stevens on guitar. I forgot to say that. Crack Cocaine is a title that, that, yep. that they threw at us one time of a song they wrote together. It was kind of a blues rocker. If we can get more of this, I'm like you, man. I'm down for that all day long. Gods is such a good song. And, you know, like you said, Billy mirrored what Lita Ford said earlier about how Ozzy came in the studio and just really nailed it one day. Just like one take, doubling his vocal. As a matter of fact, I think his exact quote was something real close to Ozzy knows what he's doing in the studio. He walks in, he knows how he wants it to sound, he does it, then he leaves. Yep. And he was just blown away how quick Ozzy cut his tracks on that because, you know, he's a pro. You know, there's a lot of people that might want you to think otherwise, but this man's been doing this for 50 fucking years. He knows how to record a track in the yeah. studio and he knows how he wants it to sound. And he, he, he goes in and gets what he wants out of it, then he leaves. Again, written by Morrison and Ozzy. Ozzy wrote all the lyrics on this one. Yeah, it's a great song. Absolute great song. Last on the list is Take What You Want with Post Malone and Travis Scott. It's on the Hollywood's Bleeding album by Post Malone, released September 6th, 2019. This was, for me, the Ozzy is back song, right? Because Scream came out in 2010, and I know he obviously did 13, but nine years, he did Crucify the Dead and Gods and stuff too. But God, it was it seemed like it was forever before Ozzy released something when, when this song came out. and It seemed like way more than four years for yeah. sure. And Ozzy sounds great on this one. I love the play between him and Post Malone. I think this song is stellar. This is an introduction to Andrew Watt. I think Take What You Want is a brilliant track. Ozzy, again, sounds fantastic on it. Ozzy gets a songwriting credit on it. He wrote the melodies that he sings. You know, the Travis Scott part is okay. It doesn't do anything to detract my love of this song. I know a lot of people hate it. We talked about this earlier. The name Post Malone, people freak out in the metal community on for some reason. But I think this is a solid, solid track. The one thing I do want to say about it is great guitar solo by Andrew Watt. I think this song smokes. There is another version of this song that does not have Travis Scott. You can find on YouTube. They played on the radio once and somebody recorded it. You just have to type in Take What You Want radio version. And it's just Post and Ozzy. And Ozzy sings a lot more on that track. And I am still pissed off that that's not the version that got released on Ordinary Man because it just never made sense to me. There's a version of the song that has Ozzy singing 60-70% of the song. Why didn't he release that on the Ordinary Man record? Other than that, I love this track. What do you think? 
it would have made so much more sense for that to be the version on the Aussie record. It's the same song, but if you buy the Aussie record version, you get more Aussie. I mean, it just makes total fucking sense. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't release that one either, but like you said, it is out there on YouTube. But yeah, I love this song, man. I think it's exactly what it should have been. It's, I don't hear it as a rap song at all. I do hear it as a pop song, a popular music song for sure. But like you said, smoke and guitar solo. I mean, as much as I'm cool with what's playing on Ordinary Man, he doesn't do a solo on there as good as the one on this song. He smokes this guitar solo. And Ozzy just sounds so fucking good, man. And Post Malone, he's so big with the youth. So many kids were introduced to Ozzy Osbourne through this song. And I know that sounds so strange, but when, when you're 8, 19 years old, you don't know who Ozzy is. And they were introduced to him through this song. And he stood out so quickly among Post's fan base of who's Ozzy. Who is this guy? He sounds so cool that even kids picked up on him so quick. What a great voice he has. He's, he sounds so good. And I remember being so relieved at how good he did sound on the track. He, he, he sounds great. But I'm like you. The other radio edit version or what radio version that's on YouTube, it's, it's so much cooler to hear Ozzy sing more of the song on that version. It's such a good song. I really enjoy this one. I don't give a shit what anybody says. So I will say the one thing that shocks me about this, this one charted at number eight on the singles chart, the Billboard singles chart. So it matched Close My Eyes Forever for Ozzy's highest chart. I just can't believe this song didn't go number one. I think this is really Ozzy's only chance he ever was going to have to have a number one single. It blows my mind this one didn't hit number one because it was everywhere and it's such a great pop song. It shocks me. I think one thing it really lacked was a proper music video. They did the music video live from the AMAs when Ozzy sang it with him at the AMAs that time. And they put that out as a video from Post Malone with Ozzy. But I think they should have done a proper studio version music video to it and maybe used the live footage from that show with it and stuff. Maybe use some studio footage of them recording the songs or something like that. But I think had they done a, a proper music video that would have helped a lot also because YouTube is so big amongst the kids. It's so big. If Post Malone puts up a new music video, it would have gotten that many more views and that much more attention. Also, that could have been the hump that it lacked. I, I never understood the decision not to do a video on that. But now I'm with you, man. I, I really enjoyed the song and it was definitely a shot at number one. When it first came out, I thought for sure. Like I was like, shit, this is going to win a Grammy. Right. Me and, too. And, you know, and, and the album did. And as a matter of fact, Andrew Watt did for, for producing both that record and the Ordinary Man album. He won producer of the year for the Grammys that year. Yeah, I, I love this song. It all began with, you know, the story's been around ever since the song and, and the Ordinary Man record. But Post Malone was at the Rainbow and saw a picture of Ozzy and purchased it. And he was out on Sunset Strip and ran into Watt. And Watt's like, what are you doing carrying an Ozzy Osbourne photo around? And Post is like, I just bought it from the Rainbow. Watt said a light bulb just went off. So, man, if I could get those two in a room together, that would be very interesting. And, and indeed it was. And thank God because it led to the whole Ordinary Man record, which we wouldn't have had otherwise. And I think yeah. Kelly was the hookup there because I she think Kelly it. and Water Buddies. So, yeah, yeah, it definitely led to bigger things for all of us. I think after Ozzy cut his vocals on the track, it went so well that Andrew kind of just tongue in cheekily asked him if he wanted to record an album. And so, you know, Ozzy had been wanting to record an album, right? He had mentioned it before the No More Tours tour that he wanted to record an album. So Ozzy kind of responded with, sure, you know, let me know what you what you have. And I think Watt was as shocked as anybody when Ozzy actually accepted the offer. So thank God. And now we're waiting for album number two from the duo right. of them. So it's totally exciting times. So, yeah, I, I like the song. It's brought a lot. Even if you don't like this track, this track has brought us so much more than just the song alone. You got to remember that also. 
Well, Ozzy claims it saved his life too, so don't forget that. Yeah, for sure. Down and out health wise, and you know, sitting at home recovering from neck surgery. So to me, this this song is special just for that. Yeah, and just mentally so out of it at that point. Yeah. And and you know, he's Ozzy's made the comments he thought he was dying for sure, and right. that Sharon just wasn't telling him the truth about everything and this and that. So this song definitely was the right time, right place track for Ozzy. And I think that's why I had the comeback feel about it also because we knew he had some health issues, and it was just so great to hear his voice. And like I said, it sounded so good. You know, you just couldn't help but love it. All right, so let's get to our lists. I know we went a little long this episode. So, Josh, why don't you start us off? What is your number 10? Okay, number 10 for me. I do feel like it should be higher, but I just couldn't place it anywhere else. Number 10 for me is Pictures of Matchstick Men with Typo Negative. Nice. My number 10 is Take What You Want with Post Malone. My number nine is Shock the Monkey with Cold Chamber. Sorry, Ryan. At least it's in the top 10. It made it in there, but uh, not overly all that high for me. My number nine is Who's Fooling Who from the Iomi record. We're kind of on par with that one. Number eight for me is Who's Fooling Who with Iomi and Bill Ward. My number eight is the original Shake Your Head, Let's Go to Bed off of the Was Not Was 1983 Born to Laugh Tornadoes record. Number seven for me is with Ringo Starr and it's Vertical Man. Number seven for me is Buried Alive by Rick Wakeman. Just a beautiful track. I love it. Number six for me, we just spoke about it, is Take What You Want with Post Malone and Travis Scott. My number six is Jack's Land from Bill Ward's Spectacular Ward One Along the Way. Good choice on that one. Just outside my list, but I do like that song. Number five for me is Rick Wakeman and Buried Alive. Love this song. I can't wait for listeners. We want some feedback on this one from you all. My number five is I Ain't No Nice Guy, his collaboration with Lemmy and Motorhead. Okay, that brings me to number four. Number four for me is Crucify the Dead with Slash. Really love this one. My number four is Crucify the Dead with Slash. I also really love that one. Okay, it brings me to the top three. Number three for me is Bombers Can Open Bombays with Bill Ward. My number three is Gods with Billy Morrison. Brilliant track. It could have been easily one or two as well, but today it is three. Number two, this one was about, number one and two really went back and forth with me. I, I struggled on the two of them, but ultimately I can't help but look at my iTunes playlist to know what the answer is. Number two for me is Close My Eyes Forever with Lita Ford. My number two is Bombers Can Open Bombays, another track off the Bill Ward, Ward 1, Along the Way record. So my number one is Gods with Billy Morrison. And the reason a second ago I said I look at my iTunes playlist and I know what the clear answer is, is if you go to my iTunes and look at my most listened to tracks, Gods is number one. Ultimately, I know how much I go back to this track and that I can't ever skip it when it comes on. So for me, number one, Gods with Billy Morrison. My number one is Close My Eyes Forever with Lita Ford. That song is incredibly special to me. I think it's one of Ozzy's best sounding songs and clearly my favorite collaboration. I just think it's a special song and it's just, it's fucking brilliant. I'm sure everybody's familiar with it, but the cool thing is, is you and I had a very varied list and then our top four was almost identical. Yeah, totally. And I almost put close my eyes forever at number one, but ultimately I do know that with God's, it just keeps on keeping on, man. I just, it just don't let up. So I ultimately went with God's, but I almost picked Close My Eyes Forever also. So I told you before we started recording, I was curious what your list was going to be. Typically, I know what you were going to choose. Like I knew you would say, Speak of the Devil was your number one live album. Right. I already knew. I just know you well enough. I didn't know on this one for sure where you were going to go with I thought it might be Crucify the Dead, actually. It is great. That's clearly the top four. Close My Eyes Forever, Bombers, Gods, Crucify the Dead. And then everything after that can switch. The big one for me that I'm shocked you don't have is I Ain't No Nice Guy. 
shocked that you don't have yeah that. i knew you were gonna say that yeah yeah it's it's right there i love it it was in my initial there, there's 27 tracks i pulled out my potential top 10 tracks and it was in that listing but ultimately once i cut it down to 10 it probably came in at 11 i just uh you know just yeah. like the other ones a little bit more you know i'm a sucker for the billboard tracks both of them make my top 10 i think yeah. they're two of the best songs that ozzy's done they're awesome yeah, jack slam was right there for me yeah. also for sure all right well great this was a fun fun awesome topic listeners please check out the playlist i created it's on spotify called the ultimate ozzy playlist guest appearances i have 18 of these tracks the only 18 that are available to listen to it's under dan drago puts them all in one place for you again i love a lot of these ozzy collaborations our goal here is today is to open your eyes to some of them that maybe you're not familiar with and as always don't forget to like and subscribe give us a review Rate us on Apple or Spotify or whatever you're listening to us on. We really appreciate all that good stuff. And make sure to reach out and give us some feedback. You know, we got a ton of feedback on the Rudy Sarzo episode last week, and we really appreciate it. You know, we made national news twice with that interview. Rudy really opened up to us and said some things to us that he hasn't said to anyone else yet and told some epic stories. I never realized Bang Your Head, Metal Health Bang Your Head, was written about an Aussie Randy Rhodes concert. I mean, how fucking cool is that? And Rudy right. told us that. And that's the first time I've heard that in 40 years, you you know, so definitely we appreciate the feedback and that episode's doing so well and we can't thank you guys enough. All right, until next time, guys, we will see you on the other side. have to stress that because yeah it's going to come through naturally that it you, is you like we don't even, we don't have to look up who played bass on who's fooling who we both know it already right so right. i mean there's some stuff we just fucking know actually but... i don't recall who does play bass on who's fooling who. <laughs> <laughs> it's lawrence Hold on. Cottle. it's lawrence who, who Cottle. Uh, lawrence Cottle.